You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. LeBron James's rewards have all been tied to his ability to shoot a basketball. That ability made him rich beyond his wildest dreams and provided him an audience for his intellectual pontifications. If LeBron couldn't shoot and dribble, he would have 50 to 75 social media followers and work the overnight shift at McDonald's. He did not earn his public platforms in the intellectual Olympics. They're the spoils of America's athletic idolatry. Those spoils foment entitlement and delusion. Welcome, welcome to Fearless with Jason Whitlock. I am Jason Whitlock, your host. Uh, happy Wednesday, happy hump day to you and yours. Uh, boy, do we have a fantastic show planned for you today. Uh, Steve Kim, Shamika Michelle will be here. Uh, Pastor Bobby Harrington will be here for Tennessee Harmony. We'll talk about uh, J.K. Rowling's. Uh, we'll do this with uh, Pastor Bobby. J.K. Rowling's, the author, has responded to me in a conversation uh, some back and forth she was having with Matt Walsh. We'll get Pastor Bobby's interpretation. This is about the transgender issue and uh, male leadership. And, and anyway, we'll get into that with Pastor Bobby. Uh, we'll also talk with Pastor Bobby about uh, Josh Hawley and his engagement yesterday <clears throat> with a professor from uh, Cal Berkeley uh, who, you know, can't really say what a woman is or what birthing people are. Anyway, it was an interesting exchange. We'll get into that with Bobby. Uh, Shamika will be here uh, to help. We're gonna do something <laughs> coming off this Lord of the Flies deal. I missed this last week. We'll play the video of uh, a scene from Lord of the Fries, Lord of the French Fries in New York City. The kind of chaos uh, that we got going on in major cities. Uh, but we're gonna start uh, with Steve Kim, we're going to start with me starting a fire, and and uh, we'll bring Steve Kim in to help fan these flames. Uh, we're going to get into LeBron James and Brittany Griner. All right, so uh, maybe LeBron James is right about Brittany Griner, the WNBA player currently detained inside a Russian jail cell. Maybe the six foot eight female basketball player feels every bit as entitled as her NBA peers. Maybe Griner is just as delusional and stupid as King James. Athletic prowess undermines self-awareness and intellectual evolution. American culture baits the physically gifted to develop their bodies and ignore their minds. James's rewards have all been tied to his ability to shoot a basketball. That ability made him rich beyond his wildest dreams and provided him an audience for his intellectual pontifications. If LeBron couldn't shoot and dribble, he would have 50 to 75 social media followers and work the overnight shift at McDonald's. Instead, 
He's got like 100 million social media followers, and people had to listen to what he says because he can dribble and shoot. My point is LeBron did not earn his public platforms in the intellectual Olympics. They're the spoils of America's athletic idolatry. Those spoils foment entitlement and delusion. That's why James suggested Griner should question returning to America when she's released from a Russian prison. Take it, take a listen for yourself. Brittany Griner, she is in Russia. She's been there over 110 days. Now, how can she feel like America has her back? I would be feeling like, do I even want to go back to America? Uh, LeBron James assumes Brittany Griner shares his delusion and entitlement. She's tall, athletic, and famous. At age 31, she apparently attempted to enter a foreign country with a small amount of an illegal drug. Russian authorities arrested her approximately 150 days ago. She's in the midst of a Russian show trial that could incarcerate her for the next 10 years. LeBron James blames America for her predicament. Of course he does. Griner's black. Anything bad that happens to black people anywhere on the planet is the fault of America and Trump supporters. Everybody knows that. Anything good that happens to black people is credited to the grace, mercy, sacrifice, and blood of white liberals and their only begotten son, Barack Obama. In King James's mind, Brittany Griner is a victim of America's white supremacy, affinity for black oppression, and misogyny. What other plausible explanation is there for Russian authorities to arrest and detain a high-profile black woman basketball player? I mean, what, what, what else could it be? It has to be America's fault. Vladimir Putin's regime handcuffed Brittany Griner at the behest of Donald Trump. That's it, now it all makes sense. But, but I have a troubling question. So what explains the more than 40 other American citizens wrongfully detained by foreign governments across the globe? What explains the six months Danny Finster, an American journalist, spent locked inside a prison in Burma? Finster is white. 60 Minutes did a segment on Finster's imprisonment in February. The CBS News Magazine explained that China wrongfully incarcerates more Americans than any other country. Imagine that, China. Now, LeBron James won't touch that fact. Or maybe he blames America for China detaining Americans. That's it, it's George Washington's fault. Well, how about, how about Paul Whelan, a white former Marine? He's been incarcerated in Russia for four years. He was sentenced to a 16-year sentence for espionage. Unlike Greiner, Whelan refused to plead guilty. It is believed Russia is holding him as a means to negotiate a prisoner swap with the United States. Should the U.S. government prioritize Brittany Griner's release of Hedda Whalen's? And if so, why? Because she's tall, black, and can play basketball? Should America immediately cut a deal to bring Griner home? Let's think that through. 
because LeBron hasn't thought through anything. So someone send LeBron this tape because I want to help him think this through about America doing whatever it can to bring Brittany Griner home. That could potentially jeopardize the safety of all Americans traveling abroad in countries hostile to the American government. LeBron, did you think about that? LeBron's lack of sophistication is embarrassing. China disappears and re-educates its own celebrities who stray from the government-approved narrative. James and other NBA players love to visit China to hawk athletic apparel and gym shoes. If the U.S. bends over to bring home Brittany Griner, one of James's NBA peers, or perhaps a low-level male player who plays overseas, might be the next U.S. citizen wrongfully detained and then held as a hostage for a prisoner trade swap with another country. But, but the entitled can't see beyond themselves. They're narcissists. They never assess their own culpability or responsibility. Mix narcissism and entitlement with a Marxist and victimhood mentality, and James's comments about Griner make perfect sense. America did it. America mistreated Brittany Griner in Russia. Why would she want to return to the freest country on the planet? She should relocate to Saudi Arabia or some country that knows how to treat black women. Maybe she should move to West Africa where its ancestors sold its people into slavery. How about that? Try that. I'm sure China would treat Brittany like a queen. Tuesday, after TMZ brought attention to James's comments about Griner and America, the NBA superstar clarified his comments on Twitter, writing, quote, <clears throat> My comments on the shop regarding Brittany Griner wasn't knocking our beautiful country. I was simply saying how she's probably feeling emotionally, along with so many other emotions, thoughts, etc. Inside that cage she's been in for over 100 plus days. Long story short, hashtag bring her home. I, 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 I want to do that again because I want to make sure that we understand what LeBron tweeted here and that we, this guy is a genius. He's a public intellectual. These platforms we've given him, this voice we've given him, he is the embodiment. He's the next iteration of Martin Luther King and Malcolm X. Let, let's, let's hear this quote again from his Twitter feed. My comments on the shop regarding Brittany Griner wasn't knocking our beautiful country. I was simply saying how she's probably feeling emotionally along with so many other emotions, thoughts, etc. inside that cage she's been in for over a hundred plus days. Long story short, hashtag bring her home. This guy's a genius. I mean, the way he matches subject and verb. My comments wasn't knocking America. I was just saying, bring Brittany home.
so we can continue to ignore her on the basketball court. Bring her home where she'll be mistreated here in America. Or let's send her to West Africa or China or Saudi Arabia or any place else on the globe. Any chance LeBron James could just limit his conversation to basketball. He knows basketball. He's an expert on athletics. He has no understanding of how the world works for ordinary people. How could he? He's been a spoiled, entitled, pampered athlete since the age of seven or eight. After he claimed, this is, this is let's take a look. Let's delve into LeBron's history of stupid, idiotic public statements that show his cluelessness. And you know exactly where I'm going because this is my favorite one. After he claimed a vandal spray painted a racial slur on his California mansion, LeBron James analogized himself to Emmett Till's mama. Emmett Till was a 14-year-old child murdered in Mississippi in 1955. His mother, Mamie Till, held an open casket funeral so people could see how badly beaten her son was. Now, let's compare that to the pain LeBron felt when he's at the NBA Finals in the Bay Area, away from his primary home in Cleveland, when he hears news that, oh my God, my mansion in Brentwood has been vandalized. Someone has spray painted the N-word on my mansion in Brentwood. Oh my God, I feel like Emmett Till's mama when she learned that her 14-year-old boy had been brutally beaten and killed. So you're sitting at the NBA Finals. Your primary home is in Cleveland, Ohio. You get alerted that vandals have spray painted words on your $20 million mansion in California. And your first thought is, well, this is how Emmett Till's mama felt. Oh, let me open up this casket and show everybody the pain that I'm going through. Now, just keep in mind, his servants covered up and removed the alleged spray paint before police could even investigate. Do you understand? Before police could investigate, before the day was even over, let's say they discovered it at 7 a.m. Before police could get there, the police probably could have been there by eight, by nine, by 10, by 11, by 12. But LeBron's servants had removed it and covered it up and, and the building looked like nothing had ever happened, instantly. Well, that's exactly how Emmett Till's mama felt when her son was taken from her for life. 
LeBron James, and and again, I get it, I understand. If I had LeBron James's athletic talent, if I had his size and athleticism and wealth, had I been treated the way that he has been treated since age six or seven, I would be just as stupid as LeBron James. And I say that in all seriousness. I'm not trying to beat up the guy. Athletic talent is the enemy of intellectual evolution in this country. The smart play, when you have that much athletic talent, is to develop your body, not your mind. So I get it. And I have many friends. I I got a friend that I grew up with just as physically talented as LeBron James. His physical gifts are in different sports. I grew up with Jeff George. No one that I've ever met in my life had more athletic talent than Jeff George. And I know how we treated him. Now he's smarter than LeBron James. I don't wanna compare. I love Jeff, good friend of mine. I don't wanna compare him to the idiocy of LeBron James. It's a special level of idiocy, idiocy that LeBron has. But I got why Jeff was the number one pick in the NFL, could have been a first round pick in baseball, could have played third base in the major leagues or pitched in the major leagues, could have been uh, a Cal Corver type in the NBA. There was virtually no sport that he could, could not excel at. But That type of talent undermines intellectual evolution. So LeBron James is exactly who he's supposed to be, but he needs some self-awareness that that's who he is. He's not a public intellectual. The shop, they should keep the S and the H and replace the O and a P with an I and a T, because that's what it is. It's a shit show for idiots to sit around and pretend like they're saying something important. LeBron James is the modern day Jethro Bodine. Years ago, Nike discovered an unlimited supply of athleticism buried in the womb of a single mother in Akron, Ohio. LeBron is the Beverly Hillbilly. Come and listen to my story about a man named LeBron, a big dumb jock barely kept his panties on. And then one day he was shooting at a hoop and up through the court come a China loving dude, a victim that is, black gold, race bait tea. That's my fire. I, I, I'm telling you, I have not always passionately dislike LeBron James. He's earned this. He, he's earned this. Year after year, victim blame, victim statement after victim statement, dumb statement after dumb statement, choosing to mislead a large group of idolatrous people into embracing his anti-American sentiment while he baits the affinity, the affection of China. Y'all think LeBron is Muhammad Ali 
and a freedom fighter. LeBron's a puppet for China and Nike. He's a globalist that does not care about American citizens, black or white. Yes, he has his little school that he contributed a couple of million dollars to in Akron. That's public relations. That's not a genuine commitment. That's good PR. So that y'all can say, look at all the work LeBron does in the community. LeBron's committed. LeBron sits on his platforms and spews a victim mentality, primarily to black kids. A victim mentality is poison. It's a cancer that feasts on the minds, the ambitions, the, the, the work ethic, the belief, the confidence of whoever carries that victim mentality. America has blessed LeBron James. He's pissed on America. He wants those global dollars. He's just like, again, Royce White talks about there is no sacred honor, and LeBron James is exactly who he's talking about. Politicians are right there with him, both left and right, both Democrats and conservatives, selling out America for their global interests. This woman sits in a Russian prison because Russia is mistreating her. And this idiot acts like America is mistreating her. And my God, why would she want to come back to America? That's what I would be thinking. That's what LeBron said. That's what he would be thinking. Why would I want to come back to the country that nurtured me, the freest country in the land, the country with the highest standard of living and the most safety in the world for black people? There's no safer place for black people to live on the, in the planet, on the planet, than America. We experience more freedom, opportunity, success, standard of living here than any place else on the planet. If LeBron wasn't Jethro Bodine, if he wasn't a blooming idiot, he would know that. And he would be telling young people that. But he's a liar and he's a puppet. And he knows that this Marxist system that he's promoting, this promotion of China and that elitist communist system that they've embraced will serve him well because he was gifted with all this athletic talent and it will take a dump on everyone else from his zip code that he was born into. That's the truth about LeBron James. And many of the people running around caping up for LeBron, they think the exact same thing. All these people, uh, they make it, they get their little cushy, media job, they get their little cushy corporate job, and they sell you out. They sell America out. All of this, again, they, they've all, take George Floyd, 
all these people in the media, all these, in whatever corporation you're working at, the executives, the black ones that have come in, oh my God, America's racist and demanding promotions and blah, blah. They're all standing on the back and neck of George Floyd trying to grab something for them. It has nothing to do with improving the opportunities for everyone else. It has to do with improving things for them. It's what they call trickle down social justice. Oh my God, if white people just treat me better, it's gonna help Ray Ray and Poo Poo from my old neighborhood. That's a lie. There's no promotion that I've ever received that's like makes gonna make life better for Ray Ray and Poo Poo. Makes life better for me. I can't stand LeBron James, and I can't stand the idiots that cape up for him, because it's so obvious what he's doing and what other athletes are doing. And again, I'm a former athlete. I don't have a problem with athletes, but they should know their role and stay in their lane. They're tied to these leagues, and particularly these basketball players, they're tied to the NBA. All of the NBA's interests are virtually, all of them are virtually global. They're not concerned about America. And these athletes are tied to the NBA, and so they're compromised about what they can say or what they can even allow themselves to believe. Uh, Steve Kim, uh, welcome uh, to the show. Uh, help me out here. Uh, LeBron James suggests that Brittany Griner, or if he were Brittany Griner, he wouldn't want to come back to America. Uh, any chance he actually believes any part of what he's saying? No, but at this point, I wish she was Brittany Griner. I mean, somewhere along the way, we have conflated athletic ability for intellectual prowess. And LeBron James is allowed to have an opinion, but we are not talking about Arthur Ashe or Alan Page here. Okay, let's just be very honest about it. This is a guy that graduated high school and then was shifted to a new focus in his life, which was basketball, which has always been his destiny, and he's been incredible at it. But because of his stature and what he's worth and how good he is at the sport, he's one of the greatest ever, we treat him, and I mean the media, the general corporate media, they treat him the way guys treat a hot woman that's a 10 an absolute dime piece, a supermodel, and we just listen to every word and we're like, yeah, yeah, you're so right, yeah. And you know in the back of your head, this is an airhead, but I got a shot tonight, another round of drinks, and that's what they're doing. It's very dishonest what we're doing here. And everyone plays this game because now the media is now about access. And, 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 it, and once you are very critical, or even critical to the nth degree, you don't have that purview to him. You don't have that pathway to the interview. He doesn't shake you ha your hand. He doesn't dap you up. He doesn't call you by name at a press conference to make you feel good. 
Believe it or not, the modern media actually cares about that. Um, but there's a point I want to make about Brittany Griner and her situation and what LeBron said. Look, I can think on one hand that, yes, she's being railroaded. She is a political prisoner and a pawn, and that it's actually perhaps giving her like a death sentence or a life sentence for a jaywalking ticket, which is unfair. But at the same time, Mr. Whitlock, I don't have to like her and I don't have to give a damn. Let me just put it to you like this. This is going to be very unpopular. If that was Mario Cristobal, who was stuck in a Russian jail cell, uh, I would fly to Russia with the picket sign saying, you must free him. I would care about Mario Cristobal. Nobody has to actually care about Brittany Griner or have any positive feelings, given the fact she's been anti-American. So the story here is both can be true. She could be treated unfairly. And guess what, Jason? Me, you, and many other Americans, we don't have to care. Steve, I think you make a great point, and it's a point I, I wanted to get to, that this, this whole feeling like, if you don't care about Brittany Griner, you're racist, and you're part of the problem. And, and I'm like, well, hold on. There's a guy, Paul Whalen, has been sitting in a Russian prison for four years. Has LeBron James said a word about him? Has anybody in the WNBA worn a Paul Whalen t-shirt? Is anybody complaining about what makes Brittany Griner more important than Paul Whalen or any of these other 40 to 50 to 60 Americans incarcerated wrongly in other countries. And, and I'm sorry, if, if what makes her more important is the fact that she's tall and plays basketball, I don't care. Yeah. And, 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 and many people don't. There's, I'm telling there's, 60 minutes, th these aren't secrets that there are American political prisoners taken in some of these countries we have disagreements with, that they're trying to negotiate with this country. We don't care about any of them, and now I'm, I'm supposed to be ashamed of myself because Brittany Griner, who, take, Paul Whalen was a Marine. He, he's been accused of espionage, basically of trying to help America. Brittany Griner wasn't over in Russia trying to help America. She, she, she had said what she thinks about America, it's national anthem. She, you know, she, she had let it be known. She's not a big fan of America. And so, and now after the fact, I was listening, and I was driving in, I was listening to some people on uh, Fox News uh, talk about this, and they were reading the letter she wrote to Biden, where she's talking about her dad was a Vietnam vet, and on the 4th of July, we honor the veteran. And I'm like, this is all a new perspective she wasn't saying any of this stuff when she wasn't coming out for the national anthem. When she was free and over here in America, it wasn't about the veterans. It wasn't about Vietnam veterans. It wasn't about the 4th of July. She didn't love Joe Biden. She didn't, any of that. But she, she's like, and again, I've had uh, numerous relatives and uh, friends, numerous, enough, I don't want to say numerous, but enough, go to jail and catch religion and make all kinds of promises and have a, adopt a whole new attitude once they're locked up. The moment they're free, they go right back to thinking and acting and behaving <laughs> the exact same way. I, I, you know, I, I'm not gonna name my, you know, my cousin's name, but I used to idolize a dude growing up as a kid. And you know, locked up, calling me, man, if you post my bond, I'm gonna do this, I'm gonna do that. As Soon as I posted the bond, never heard from the dude again. 
<laughs> and <laughs> back on the couch, smoking weed. Mom, ain't no jobs. Ain't no jobs. You know? And, you know, 60 years. Anyway, I, I don't want to embarrass because well, I, I love so, the dude and just love right. So now with this jailhouse letter, religion. Right. So now with that letter, uh, Brittany Griner's Lee Greenwood, proud to be an American. <laughs> the irony of that. Here, here's the issue with a lot of these people, especially the females. And this goes beyond race. But a lot of the females that are wagging the finger at all Americans and specifically men saying, if you don't care about Brittany, you caused this, this, this and that. And you're racist and you're prejudiced and we must be protected. You know, my counterpunch would be this. Um, if you women who constitute about half of the American populace, if you actually supported the NBA, maybe Brittany Griner never had to go to Russia. How about that? Uh, this goes both ways. I, I'm sorry. Look, I actually do feel bad for Brittany Griner on a human level. Nobody should go through that. But again, multiple things can be true. She broke the law. Okay, let's not martyr her for that. And as the great Jimmy Johnson once said about his treatment of players, and this was one of the life lessons that I've learned from that great man. He said, I treat everyone fairly which means differently. Now, if this was one of those athletes that loved America, espoused certain values that I agreed with, and wasn't a perennial malcontent, they'd be up here with me. I would be like, yes, let's free her. She was none of those things, so I have the right, whether you disagree, not to give a damn, which I don't. I want to swing it back. I love your point about Grind. I'm glad we took the time to talk about that. But I want to swing it back to LeBron James and and what we do with LeBron James. And and we we treat this guy like he's some public intellectual. He's got something important to say. But the reality is, and again, we only do it because he's black. That's it. Because in reality, there's virtually no difference between LeBron James and Rob Gronkowski. None. They, no one expects Rob Gronkowski to be some public intellectual. He's a very gifted athlete, has fun on the field. He's a meathead. Everybody can say it without fear. Rob Gronkowski is not offended by that. LeBron James is a meathead. And everybody knows it. But we, because he's black, we all have to pretend like He's Bill Bradley or Grant Hill. And he's not, and th th that's what drives me crazy is like Grant Hill is actually an intellectual and actually an educated person who's articulate. I'll give you another one. And, and again, th this is part of this is a reflection of the generation. But like Isaiah Thomas. I've watched the whole corporate media take a dump on Isaiah Thomas. Through, through the entirety of his career at the behest of David Stern because he couldn't stand Isaiah Thomas and the way that he ran the Players Union when, when he was president of the Players Union. And, and again, Isaiah, to me, has been unfairly smeared. The guy is, and I don't agree. Obviously, you've, people have seen Isaiah on the show. We don't agree on everything, but Isaiah's brilliant. He's educated. He went to, uh, you know, he graduated from Indiana University. He went to Cal Berkeley, got a, a, a graduate's degree. But, and so it's like the guys that are actually smart, we smear and or ignore them, and then we trumpet a guy 
who can't, who can't even match verb with subject, subject with verb, we, we elevate him and all of his stupid comments like he's the important one just because he's a great player. The dude is Rob Gronkowski. <laughs> That's why I call him Jethro Bodine. And, and Rob Gronkowski has the freedom to be exactly who he is. And he's got the self-awareness and he's humble enough not to be offended and trying to be more than what he is. But, but we seem determined to make LeBron James Arthur Ashe and we don't seem to have the ability to understand that Arthur Ashe, Muhammad Ali, Jim Brown, another guy smeared, who actually is brilliant. But those guys from that other generation that didn't make 40, $50 million a year just from playing basketball and then another 40, 50, $70 million a year for selling gym shoes, those guys actually were more ordinary people. Some of them, some of the athletes back in that time had second jobs and again, they were, they had to have more self-awareness because the rewards for being an athlete, although great at that time, weren't as overwhelming as it is now. And I always go back to, we need to quit looking for the next Muhammad Ali. Money has made that impossible. And, not, and I'm not even calling Muhammad Ali brilliant. Uh, I do believe Malcolm X and Elijah Muhammad were brilliant and uh, cultivated him and led him and guided him in a way that, that, that allowed him to appear to be smarter than what he actually was. But again, there will never be another Arthur Ashe, a Jim Brown, because there's just too much money for these guys at too young of an age for them to ever really evolve intellectually. Well, going back to Gronkowski, he has enough self-awareness and intelligence to know what he doesn't know. And to be himself and going to laugh all the way to the bank. And I find him to be a very amusing personality. Uh, I enjoy him. He, he just makes me laugh. And uh, you know what? He's a big old lug and I enjoy him. And I wish him well. As it relates to LeBron, I think we have a cultural problem that transcends all races, color, creed, and religion in a sense that we can actually recite or understand some of the things that LeBron has said and not know a single belief or a philosophy of a Walter E. Williams, God rest his soul, or Thomas Sowell. Why? Because one guy is an athlete or a celebrity or both. Right there is part of the cultural rot that we are going through is that we have terrible priorities in terms of who we listen to and why. The other thing about that show on HBO, The Barbershop, which I believe was started about three, four years ago, I watched 15 minutes of the first show and it was about eight minutes too many because I understood what, where they were going with this. But I do have a serious question about that program. Have they, and again, maybe I'm speaking out of turn because I don't know, but I'm asking a question. Have they actually ever brought on anyone that was there to specifically disagree with LeBron or have the guts to push back on him on anything, or is it just a nodding contest that whatever he says, you just nod like, yeah, yeah. I'm just, and let's say that actually happened, specifically with the Griner comments, would A, would HBO and the producers, I believe LeBron has a part of that, would they even allow it on air? So that's the question that I have. I mean, there are certain shows that is now just a big soapbox for LeBron 
for 27 minutes or so for him to say whatever he wants, get all get all the adulation, get heaped with praise, and get no pushback. And that's the thing, Jason. Um, you're the one that's been in a black barbershop. My only experience with a black barbershop is watching Coming to America. But in a barbershop, right, Jason, don't you guys actually argue heatedly and exchange ideas and have opposing views? It's, it's not just about one guy controlling the whole subject matter and bowing down to him. You're right. I do want to just clarify and put I don't think HBO is associated with the shop anymore. It now airs on YouTube. I oh, think okay. even HBO okay. figured out. I think even okay. HBO figured out it's too dumb of a show for HBO. Well, that's how big uh, of a fan I am. Plus, okay. <laughs> yeah. Right up there plus, with John from Cincinnati plus, now. HBO Graveyard. Okay. Now they have they, they have game theory now, so they don't need they, they've got their fill of idiot sports takes. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, but you, you, waiting you're, you're, for there. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you're right that look everybody and, and you know what I wouldn't have a problem with the setup of that show if what LeBron James actually had to say was thought provoking informed, interesting, cutting edge, uh, intelligent. Uh, again, it's like, take, I watch Tucker Carlson's show on a regular basis. Now, Tucker would like to have one more people that disagree with him, but you know, because we all live in these silos now and people are afraid of each other and people don't want to be challenged, you know, most of the people that come on Tucker's show agree with him. But what Tucker has to say is so cutting edge and so ahead of the curve that the show is still interesting to me. I find like this is what's interesting about LeBron, his willingness to say really stupid, uninformed things. I don't find, again, so the trailer that has gone viral and made news, that's as much of LeBron's show as I want to see. I don't want to go take in the whole thing because I won't be challenged. I won't, I, no one's ever going to say anything. Well, I never thought of it that way or in a way, in a way that would make me respect their point of view. So LeBron's just the wrong captain of an intellectual ship. He's the right captain of a basketball team. And I wish he would shut up and dribble. Uh, let me take it. Hold tight, uh, Steve. We're gonna. I'm gonna take care of some business, and we're gonna come back and do an approval rating on LeBron James. Uh, good ranchers. America needs change, but the center of that change has to be the family, your family. We can return to that time with our families and create moments for real conversation, but it can only happen when we create the change we want to see. It all starts at the dinner table with time together as a family. Good Rancher's mission is to bring people to the table. Making those moments around the table easy, accessible, and delicious is what they do best, and it's what they deliver in every single box. Good Rancher's guarantees you 100% American meat that's born, raised, and harvested here in the United States and delivered to your door. You will know exactly where it comes from and who you're supporting. I've personally tried it, and it is awesome. It's not like one of the, it's not like one delivery's great and the next isn't. No, every box has superior quality, flavor, and value. The T-bones, burgers, ribeyes, and chicken. 
it's all some of the best. Good Ranchers is a company that supports American agriculture, plus they support us, what we believe, what we do, the values that we respect, so go check them out. Support those who support us. Make sure you use my promo code, FEARLESS, to get $30 off your order, plus get free express shipping. You can make gatherings at the table common again with Good Ranchers. Take advantage of this offer before it's gone. Go to GoodRanchers.com fearless to start bringing people to the table, creating change in America, and eating seriously delicious food from Good Ranchers. Be a good little fearless soldier, good big fearless soldier, and go to Good Ranchers. Use my promo code fearless. Let them know we appreciate them supporting us. All right, let's get to our approval rating. Uh, Stephen, I, I, I can't wait to hear, well, you know, I'm, I'm going to, I'll just cut to the chase. LeBron's a dumpster fire. It's just how I'm going to get there. Uh, <laughs> job performance. Uh, he's a double agent for China and, uh, a basketball player for the Los Angeles Lakers. Lakers didn't make the playoffs. Uh, so he's failed as a basketball player, but as a secret agent, uh, for China, he's doing quite well. And his latest comments about Brittany Griner uh, and Russia uh, speak to how well he does as a plant for the CCP. Uh, so I'll give him a 15 in job performance. Yeah, you know, you talk about him being the captain of a ship. If he was, it would be the Poseidon or the Titanic. Now, here's the thing about the job performance. The Lakers didn't make the playoffs. Playoffs, yeah, I said playoffs. Um, still an incredibly effective player he's still top two or three and for that i i gotta stick him with the 20. he's still one of the two or three best basketball players on this earth he's certainly one of the best stat patterns at this point and he's doing things to keep his stats uh very that high that have nothing to do with winning or losing uh, a character uh i'll give him a two i find these latest remarks uh highly low character and dishonest and just leading people, just LeBron just stirs anti-American sentiment. Brittany Griner's locked up and LeBron's having a conversation. She's locked up overseas in Russia and LeBron's having a conversation about how it's America's fault. Get out of here. I give him a two in uh, character. Okay, I, I gave him a five and I'm actually thinking I gave him way too much credit now that I think about it. I'm gonna give him a five, though. look, he's I actually think in his own mind that he thinks he's well-meaning and he's true. He's not intelligent enough to know that sometimes he causes more harm than he does good. I give him a five, but I'm shaking on it. Yeah, stupid people don't know when to shut up. Authenticity, uh, you know, he, he believes a lot of the garbage he spews. Uh, because he's a narcissist and he didn't pay attention in school. You know, I've, 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 I had someone I trust tell me that LeBron could barely read or write when he left high school. Uh, so I actually believe that he believes some of what he says. I gave him a five in authenticity. Okay, this is where me and you go divergent paths. I think he's authentically misinformed. I do. Uh, he really actually believes the stuff that he says. I got to give him a 20 because honestly, every time he says something, he really thinks like, man, I I'm out here. I'm just leading my people. I mean, maybe off a cliff, 
but he really thinks he's leading people. So for that, again, I give him a 20. Uh, it factor. Guy draws a lot of attention to himself. Uh, he's got it, so I give him a 20 in it factor. Okay, so here's the issue. He's become toxic. There was a time about a decade ago where I really think he had the ultimate it factor, maybe the best since Michael Jordan, and he seemed to be a more likable version of a Kobe Bean Bryant, given the fact he was a better teammate, spread the ball more, and ultimately became a much more effective overall player. Uh, but I, I got to knock him down here. I think it's a 10 because now, like I said, there's a toxicity associated with his name. Uh, somehow he's not a dumpster fire for Steve Kim, but I know you live out in L.A. I'm st- I-, I got him at a dumpster fire from the comfort of Nashville. Maybe it's easy for me. <laughs> got him at a 42. You got him at a 55. Uh, thank you, Steve. Great job. Uh, we'll see you again tomorrow. Uh, go to YouTube.com slash Jason Whitlock. Hit the notifications. Hit subscribe. Uh, Shamika is just around the corner. Uh, and uh, we'll see what she's got cooking. All right, welcome back. Uh, We're going to roll out to North Carolina, bring in Shamika Michelle, uh, because I saw something uh, on the Internet last week, and I meant to get to it. This isn't make it make sense. This is more something I think I want to lean into that America is descending into Lord of the Flies. My fire started yesterday was about that. What we saw from the young kids in Philadelphia and Minneapolis. And they're just example after example of like, America is descending into chaos and anarchy and it's like the purge is going on or candidates for the purge are revealing themselves. And so I just want Shamika to help me dissect what's going on here, how it happened, how did we get here. And so uh, this will be our first edition of Lord of the Flies. And this is what happened at a restaurant at like three or four in the morning in New York City. I think the place is called Bell Fries. It's on the Lower East Side. It's in this party area called Hell Square. Uh, Watch what these three women do, how they react after they got charged $1.75 for dipping sauce. on forever. We're just showing like 45 seconds. This goes on for like two, three minutes. They did like $25,000 worth of damage there. And, you know, they're, they're being prosecuted, I think. They stole, I think, 10 bucks out of the cash register. 
Shamika, uh, what's going on here? Are, are we going to recover from Are we just going to see more and more of this type of behavior? We're here because of black women's worship for white supremacist feminist. Jason, you often talk about black men, how they claim to hate racism or hate white supremacy. They hate the tree, but love the fruit because they're always dating white women. Well, I think black women are no better. They claim they hate white supremacy. They hate the tree, but want to be the fruit so bad from white feminist disdain of black men to wanting to look like white women, throwing on blonde, straight, silky hair, looking stupid. You know, I, I blame feminism for this, Jason, because if we go back even to the suffrage movement, you had these white women who claimed they were fighting for the rights of not for, for all women and for black people. But the moment the 15th Amendment was presented, many of these white women were upset that it was going to give black men only the right to vote, and they were against it. Some of them started spewing racist hatred, such as saying things like, should we just step aside while saying Sambo walks into the kingdom first. This is why Frederick Douglass, who was an original supporter of the of women's suffrage, they gain reproach from him because of such things. So I think this is years of, of black women buying into white feminist uh, ideology, the disdain that they have for men in general and especially black men. This is what we're seeing. Decades and decades of I don't need a man. Decades and decades of I'm a lot to handle. Decades of not having any type of correction, not being reined in, not being able to be touched. This is what we're seeing. This is the result of, of buying into white feminist ideology, hook, line, and sinker. This is why we're here, and this is what we're seeing from these young women. Years of no correction. I, I, I want to add a touch of clarity, because based on my research, I think, and if I'm getting this right, I think these are Latinx women. I think these are Latino women. Uh, maybe one of them is black, but based off what I read in the New York Post, based off their names, I think they're Latin. But look, I, I think it all falls under the umbrella of what they call BIPOC uh, or whatever, women of color. And, and I don't think it undermines your point, but I, I don't want to lay this at the feet of just black women, I think women of color, and particularly Americanized women of color, uh, I think everything that you're talking about is true. They've, they've bought into a lot of the feminist ideology, they've bought into uh, freedom and equality means acting like a man. And that, that's what, I, I, was, I was looking at this and I was like, I don't know any women who would be comfortable behaving this way, this violently, this out of control. And then I'm looking at, it appeared to me, a bunch of men in the background with their phones out recording this. I'm just, I watched this and I was repulsed, thinking like, my perception of women and what they're capable of 
just keeps going further and further and further down. Th th these look like rioters and looters uh, that we saw all the summer of 2020. And, and it, it just, I don't know. I, I, don't, I don't know if I'm becoming more misogynist or just a lower opinion of like, man, women are really out of control. Men uh, are really afraid of women and are celebrating women devolve into uh, animals. Because, uh, you know, the shop owner, I think, of this place that was vandalized is a woman, and she called these people animals because they did act like animals. Uh, but the whole thing is just sad, and it just, I, you know, th there are events like this at restaurants and at airports, it just seems like all the time, and it's like, man, we're living in Lord of the Flies, and the only time I really want to leave the house is when I know exactly where I'm going and exactly who I'm going to be dealing with. And so I, I don't want to engage with strangers because I don't know what they're capable of. Yet yeah, these young boys stood back and watched and filmed because they knew there's no controlling this. There's no stepping in unless you want to be caught up in the mayhem as well, unless you want to catch a fist, unless you want to get slapped across the face. They knew, let me just record. And of course, uh, young boys have suffered from years of feminism as well, like you, if you couldn't correct your mama, if you couldn't say anything to your mama because your mama was going to curse you out and tell you you, don't, you act just like your daddy, you ain't going to be nothing like your daddy, you don't stand up to women. So we have decades of, of this, you know, uh, these repercussions of having these types of thoughts in the community. So, of course, they weren't going to step in and say anything. And we have cases like this all the time. I've seen so many videos from women acting up in fast food restaurants. We had the case, of, uh, I think it was last year sometime, where the women was dancing on the table, twerking, and the owner of the restaurant was black. He asked them to stop, and they went and you know, ruined his Yelp review. So this happens all the time, and there is no stopping them uh, unless we do it together, and unless men really put their foot down. They hate women like me. They call me a pick me. But listen, I'd rather be a pick me than a picked over because that's exactly what's happening to these women. They, they're being bypassed and rightfully so. No one wants to have to handle anybody. You shouldn't be acting like an animal. Those are the only people that have to be handled or, or the only things that have to be handled are animals. So I'll be a pick me while they are all picked over and black men and men in general are deciding they don't want to put up with such foolishness. Thank you, Shamika. Great job. Uh, get your fearless army swag at shopblazemedia.com slash fearless. Tennessee Harmony, Pastor Bobby, and our discussion about J.K. Rowling. You know, she wrote the Harry Potter book. Religion, all regrets, and our decisions. We all want to go to heaven with freedom. It's my obligation, no hate, discrimination, raising up your hands for freedom. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time The Roast of Tom Brady, a Netflix live event happening May 5th. 
Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. All right, welcome back. My favorite time of the week, time for some Tennessee Harmony. Uh, no Pastor Anthony today, but uh, Pastor Bobby is here with us in studio. Are you and Anthony in a fight? <laughs> you guys no, we... keep missing each other. <laughs> I mean, are y'all in a fight? Is there something going on I don't know about? No. He, you he... weren't here the last two weeks. Now he skips out this week. What can we say? We're just so, I'm gonna, I'm gonna we're to... sought after, Jason. I'm going to have to get y'all on a three-way call and find out what's going on here. You know what, we'll have a little prayer deal. Wednesday we pray. I'm gonna pray for y'all's relationship. Uh. <laughs> yeah. Hey, let me, before you pray, yeah. let me tell you something about Anthony. Uh, he, uh, I just love that guy. Yeah. And do you know, it's been over a year and we have yet to find an area where we don't agree on what the Bible teaches, which is kind of amazing. That's pr that really is unusual because I'm sure there's got to be something. We'll find that, it yeah. eventually, but not, not so far. Yeah. What That's there, been one of the best 66 things. 66 books in the Bible? Yes, 66. Yeah, 60, yeah you'll, you'll, you'll find one. Eventually. <laughs> you'll find one. Uh, so, Bob, you just said I'm going to pray, but I'm actually going to ask you to pray and bless, the, bless this conversation before we get rolled. Okay. God, uh, Jason and I and everybody who's watching, we just call out and we say, God, would you please lead our thoughts? that we would be better people and honor you because of the conversation. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, uh, Bob, I want to talk about uh, J.K. Rowling, the well-known British author. She wrote the book Harry Potter. Uh, she's taken a lot of heat over the last year or so uh, because she's not on board with the transgender movement and the feminist or the transgender crowd, or she's been kind of thrown into the cancel culture jail to some degree. And, and so she had a Twitter exchange with Matt Walsh of the Daily Wire. Everybody knows I'm a big Matt Walsh uh, supporter and fan. Uh, and so she had an exchange with him where, you know, she kind of, she doesn't like, Matt Walsh, there's a lot of women that agree with his What is a Woman documentary, but they can't stand Matt Walsh. And so she had, let me make sure I do this properly, she had tweeted at Matt something about endless death and rape threats, threats of loss of life. She tweeted an attack at, at, at Matt. And I jumped in, because I'm a Budinsky. But I kind of like J.K. Rowling, and I certainly love Matt Walsh. And so I jumped in and responded to her tweeted Matt and saying, respectfully, and I sincerely mean respectfully, you need to fall back and support men like Matt Walsh. You're not built for this conflict. The failure and cowardice of men got us into this mess. Matt is standing up. You need to support him. Men have to fix this. Yeah, and I included the respectfully and, and the doubling down on respect because 
I know what I'm saying is very aggressive and could be misconstrued and next thing you know, I'm a misogynist, which maybe I am, I, I don't know. Uh, based on their definitions, I probably am. But I really have a great deal of respect for J.K. Rowling. I have a great deal of respect for just women in general. <clears throat> and so, to my surprise, I think two or three days later, J.K. Rowling responded to me with a series of tweets. And I wanna ask you about them because I, I want a biblical perspective. She wasn't, because I feel like I'm coming from a biblical perspective, but she tweeted back in the first of four tweets to me, respectfully, I've been facing down the punch and kill turfs brigade for a while now, and not once have I thought, what I really want is to hand this over to, to a man who thinks feminism is one of the worst things to happen to Western civilization. And so I just want to stop there and just unpack this first tweet. Because J.K. Rowling, I don't think at this point knows, and because I haven't responded yet, I told her I was going to reflect, and this is part of my reflection. I think feminism is one of the worst things to happen to Western civilization, and I want a biblical perspective. Am I wrong, or Matt Walsh and I wrong for thinking that? Can I ask a clarifying question first? Yeah. <clears throat> when you uh, told her she wasn't built for this, yeah. what did you mean when you said that? I meant that she, her original t tweet was somewhat complaining about the blowback that women get for standing up on this issue, because this is all related to Macy Gray, the singer who on Piers Morgan show said, hey, look, I don't care if you have surgery, that don't make you a woman. Yeah. And then backed up immediately, went on the Today Show and said, woman is a vibe, and LGBTQ are the greatest heroes we have, or something along those lines. And, and Matt Walsh criticized Macy Gray for backpedaling. And, and so JK's jumping in there like, hey man, you just don't understand the backlash we take. And Macy, she's being sympathetic towards Macy and her career being on the line. And so what I'm saying, like, if that's your mindset, you're not built for this conflict because this conflict, and again, I didn't want to go all into it because I don't know where, if JK has any religious beliefs, uh, but we are in final conflict stage. Things, the battle against truth is so clear cut now that what I'm saying is, look, we're in a battle of good versus evil at this point. And you know what? If you're not willing to sacrifice your career or life, yeah. you're not built for this conflict. And so if you want to hold on to your career, you're not built for this. If you're afraid to okay. sacrifice your life, you're not built for this. And there's been a reason why men have traditionally gone off to war. When there's great sacrifice to be made, it has been us who have been willing to make those sacrifices. And so when I look at Matt Walsh, I'm like, this dude is willing to sacrifice his career. He's willing to sacrifice his life. He's willing to lay his life on the line to stand for truth. I believe that about myself. I, I don't put myself in the same category as Matt, 
because Matt has a wife and kids, and that's why I honor him and like, wow, that takes a pair. Yeah. And, uh, but basically I'm saying JK, Macy Gray, they want, to, they want their careers to survive, and I don't know if they're willing to lay their life down for this. And we are in a final conflict stage where uh, people, if you're not willing to lay your life down for truth, you're not built for this conflict. Okay, okay, that's really good. Um, thank you for explaining that. So I think that you've called the stakes correctly, that it's, it is a conflict uh, for the view of the world, view of life that's going to prevail. Uh, the secular view, which is really religious, in fact, we could say the wokeism, she's fighting against wokeism. It is a religious point of view, every much as religious as uh, Christianity is, if we had time to look through that. And because it's a religious view, it explains everything, and it explains everything in a way that's contrary to what the Bible says. And so when you ask the question about feminism, feminism has different variations. So there's complete secular feminism. There's early stage feminism. I think that uh, advanced egalitarian ideology right now is actually favoring women over men. Uh, I think that it's manifest itself in the whole transgenderism thing. I think that it's, it's going to go further from that to the, to the complete breakdown of uh, sexuality and sex and all those things. Uh, so let's just, just describe the basics. The basics are how are we going to understand the relationship between men and women? And uh, historically, uh, for coming from a Christian point of view, there was a very clear idea of what a man was supposed to be and was supposed to do. Uh, they didn't always do it, and so there was a real negative view in recent years on men who didn't live the kind of life God wanted them to. They were oppressive, they were misogynistic, they were tyrants at times. And so now what has happened is, uh, seeing the downside and not being educated on the upside of the sacrifices that men historically made because of the, the Judeo-Christian point of view out of which uh, their, their understanding of life was birthed. Because of, they were, we've not been taught of all the, the, the heroism and all the great things men did and, and the many millions and billions of fathers who love their wives and children. We haven't heard about all that. All we've heard are the bad things because the narrative is the bad things. So women like uh, J.K. Rawlings uh, think, well, that's not right, and so we're going to have a new world and uh, we're going to be feminists. And, and the feminist ideas, they don't work. And the problem is now women are in a worst, uh, worst place. Families, for sure, are in a worse place than ever before. And uh, that's a long answer to tell you that I think we just need to get back to more of a biblical vision of manhood. And so one of the things I think I argued last week, I don't think it was during Tennessee Harmony, but I've been, this is part of my thinking that I think J.K. Rowling's and, and the modern day feminists don't understand, is that a lot of the customs and traditions that were established globally, but let's just zero it down to America because that's what we understand the most, 
were a reflection of reality. Yeah. And so if you go back to the 1700s and why men were predominantly in the workforce, women weren't, couldn't do and weren't interested in doing the work that was available at that time and was required at that time because of where we were technology-wise. There were no cars. You walked. To hunt. Well, and there was so much of it was uh, agricultural and, and you know, the farming, plowing yeah. and yes, all, that, all that that, that, that uh, women were not built for. Right. And so where we were at that time, that established customs and traditions. And so I think modern women look back, <laughs> look how sexist those guys were. Look at these sexist traditions. And they were really just traditions and customs established to meet the reality of what they were living with at that time. Yeah. And, and, and it, it, it's like, this is my problem with applying today's mentality to long ago times. And, and so this, a lot of the feminist uh, movement is a reaction to, it, it's what I argued last week, I believe, was that like it's it's a debt is owed us. You kept us down. You kept us out of the workforce. That's why women aren't leading all these companies because you set up a system that kept us out of the workforce. No, we didn't. No, because those men that were up on skyscrapers in New York in the early 1900s, I, I believe that one of seven of them fell to their death. Women didn't want that job <laughs> and couldn't do that. That's not some sexist system we had where, okay, yeah, we'll go up and build these skyscrapers and one in seven of us will fall to our desk. Uh, that wasn't out of sexism that we went and did that, that men did that. That was actually out of like, hey, this is my role. This is my responsibility. I take the risk of the life and death risk. And, and so I, I, I'm... Right now, I think that she thinks feminism is the only solution. What you're arguing and what I'm arguing is a better form of Christianity is actually yeah. the solution. Yeah. Uh, not yeah. Don't create this new religion called feminism. Yeah. We got a religion that will work. Yeah. And, and will correct it. And so call upon men to be better men and women to be better women, that, then you have a solution. Let me read our next tweet and see if I have a question there. Like many women on the left, I despair that so many self-proclaimed liberals turned a blind eye to the naked misogyny of the gender identity movement and the threat it poses to the rights of women and girls. Walsh's film undeniably exposed what many leftists are too scared to. Let me read the next one because I don't really have a question. And this is more of a continuation. But a shared belief that women exist as a biological class and water's wet and the moon's not made of cheese does not an ally make. I believe women are susceptible to certain harms and have specific needs and that feminism is necessary to secure and protect our rights. There you go. Which leads to what I was just talking about. She thinks feminism is the solution. 
I think Christianity yeah. protects, secures and protects her right. Yeah, so I, I agree with you. Here's the thing that uh, is the challenge for us to communicate with someone like her is that there are these images right now, there's two dominant images of men and neither one are attractive to, to women. The first is the uh, old idea of the patriarchy that was misogynistic. Uh, I often call it the top-down tyrant. This is the guy, you know, I'm the man of this house and it's gonna be the way I want it to be and you know, I set the rules and this is how it's gonna be. Now that is not a biblical vision, that is, does not come out of scripture, it's anti-scripture, it's a man who's lording it over people. But a lot of folks think that that's the traditional patriarchy. Now, were there some people like that in the past? Yes. Are there some people like that today? Yes. Are there macho men that need to uh, you know, be confronted and, and told how ungodly they are for all that? Yes. But the alternative that's now developing is the passive man. He's the man that actually is afraid to be a man. He, he's more like a woman. Uh, I was in Orlando last week and uh, my wife and I were at Epcot and you know, I was trying to get help from uh, a young man with directions and all that and he had fingernail polish and he was feminized. And the, the, ideal, the ideal man right now actually doesn't know who he is and you know, doesn't know where he's going. The high number of young men into their early 30s living at home with their parents without a sense of direction, they're passive, they're, um, they're withdrawn, they're uncertain, uh, they're, they're feminized men. That's not very attractive to women. And so uh, they look at it and they say, is it the top-down tyrant or the passive pussycat? And they don't like either one of those. And what I wished was more prominent is the man who's like Jesus. So scripture has this vision that men are to be like Jesus. And uh, Jesus uh, was strong. He was a leader. He loved well. He laid his life down for his disciples and all of us. And he's the perfect image in scripture of what a man is to be. Now, a lot of people have an image of Jesus that, you know, he's kind of like a, got a hippie dress and long hair and he's feminized. Uh, one of my buddies just came back from Israel where they walked for 12 days everywhere Jesus walked. And he came back and I said, well, what was your top insight? And he goes, Jesus must have been really ripped because, <laughs> because of the walking that they had to do to go to this town near Nazareth and, and you know, being a, a, a contractor or a carpenter. Uh, but when you look at Jesus, when women look at Jesus, most women would say, I would love to have a man in my life like that. And if I could tell her one thing, I would say, hey, what about this vision of what God wants men to be? Don't you like that? And isn't that a much better vision than feminism? Because feminism cannot teach men what it means to be a man. I think for J.K. Rowling, is, is and again, I'm speculating here, but you know she's made so much money and we have a culture that values money so much that she probably feels like, I don't really even need a man. And again, I, it's pure speculation. She may yeah. be married, she may, who, who knows? She, she may be dating Idris Elba for all I know. Who knows? But she's got a lot of money. That book sold 500 million copies <laughs> around yeah, the world. Yeah. She, she may be in a different, but I do think you're right about most women would love 
to marry someone trying to be like Jesus. There's only one Jesus, but just yeah. making the attempt. It's the pursuit of yeah. Yeah. that's who I'm trying to be. Yeah. And so then her last tweet, I want to go over that. Walsh believes feminism is rotten and his default appears to be denigrating women with whom he disagrees. He's no more on my side than the shut up or will bomb you charmers who cloak their misogyny in a pretty pink and blue flag. And so, and again, you don't know Matt Walsh, but she's just saying men like Matt Walsh cannot be her ally. And that disappoints me. Yeah, me too. Because I think this is a man of faith. I think he's, I've met his wife briefly at the premiere of Terror on the Prairie. He seems to be involved in a happy, content, successful marriage. Uh, and and I th they're on the same side in terms of why can't they be allies? You don't have to agree with every position yeah. of somebody to be an ally. Hey, don't you think, Jason, that what it is is that she represents kind of that classic liberal, kind of like a Bill Maher, and uh, they see how progressives are progressing. A friend yeah. of mine says, Bobby, remember, progressives have to progress. So people who are progressive, they're going further and further left, and, and people like herself and Bill Maher, they're not comfortable with that, that progression to the left, but they look back and they have this bad image, and, and in some ways there's reasons for the bad image. They don't want to go back, so they're caught in a no man's land that will not last for very long. And I think it's the job of guys like you and me to stand up and say, hey, there's a, there's a different way. I think I love the analogy to Bill Maher because I follow his work. I'm a fan of his and, and would, would hang out with Bill Maher. And we disagree about a lot, clearly religion. Uh, but I think he's intellectually honest, but I also think He's like a lot of people, take, take even from me, going the path that I have gone. You gotta sacrifice some of your old friends and make new ones. And that's hard and uncomfortable. It's like, if he fully admits what he now understands, like, man, this left thing is uh, invading my ability to enjoy life, the secular thing uh, is completely changing the dynamics of America and allowed me to make money and be a successful comedian. I can't even crack the jokes I want in this secular society. And, but he's so afraid of like, if he stands fully on that, man, I'm gonna lose some friends and I'll really lose some friends if I start hanging around the people who I actually have common ground with. And, and so there's this like, oh, I can't, because he and Tucker Carlson for months have been going back and forth about uh, appearing on each other's shows. And he's, he announced, Bill Maher did, that he's reached an agreement where he's gonna go on Tucker's show. But that's a big risk for him. He's, he's got some yeah. leftist friends. Yeah. You went on Tucker Carlson, you legitimized his platform. and again, he and Tucker Carlson agree on a lot yeah, of stuff. Yeah. I, I can say, you know, obviously I'm 
friends with Tucker. Again, and I'm a fan of Bill Maher. Yeah. They got a lot of common ground, but it's high risk for Bill Maher to associate with Tucker Carlson. And I would imagine for J.K. Rowling, it's, you know, I can't, if I'm seen associating with Matt Walsh, I'm really going to get thrown out of the progressive yeah. club. So I, I totally agree with you. One of the things that uh, occurred to me uh, after you and I talked yesterday and we knew what we were going to talk about today is uh, how people on the far left are like Pharisees in the Bible. Uh, they're Pharisees of wokeism. Explain Pharisees. Go ahead. And yeah, yeah. So that. a Pharisee in the Bible is somebody who's uh, religious and they're intolerant of those who don't agree with them, and they put peer pressure on everybody who doesn't agree with them. They shame them, they cancel them. But in and of it themselves, the Pharisees are hypocrites because they, they create a religion that nobody can live in, including themselves, but they act like they can. Well, isn't that a lot like people on the far left? They're, I call it the Pharisees of wokeism. And what they try to do is they try to pressure everybody else to agree with them. But if you won't agree with them, they're going to cancel you. And so you have people like J.K. Rawlings and Bill Maher. They actually are getting a lot of pressure from the far left. They're trying to resist it. Most of their peers are caving because the Pharisees will totally control the culture if you let them. And so it's the Pharisees of wokeism that uh, with their religion who are really having a dominant influence right now in our culture and their religion is becoming the most effective religion in terms of influencing the whole country. Bob, I enjoyed this. You helped me uh, think this through and I'm going to respond to JK at some point this week. Uh, it's a pleasure. Thank you, Bob. That was actually pretty good. Anthony and I were very worried about you getting through this without him here. Uh, well, I thanks think, for helping me. I think God intervened yes. and actually blessed you. you made, we made it, Anthony. All right, uh, that's tomorrow. That means we'll see you. Oh, that's, no, that's not tomorrow. That's Allie, <laughs> that's Allie Taylor and uh, Tay. I can't, why can't I think of Tay's song? Anyway, that's Harmony. And uh, we'll see you tomorrow.